Go ahead and sit down. As we were singing, as we were singing, good, good father, I was thinking of uh, how I've started to try to live into a rhythm of, of coming, being home when I'm home, and being present when I'm home, and so uh, Sunday's a big prep day for me, and so I try to be home on Saturdays, and I try to be home on um, Monday afternoons, so I'm kind of there, and so they call, my kids have been calling Saturday, they, they picked up on it really quick, because they're like, what day is today? It's Wednesday, okay, so Thursday, Friday, three more days until Daddy Day! That's what they say, Daddy Day. They call it Daddy Day. And they know that Monday afternoons I come home and they're always really excited. And I love, uh, I just had this image as, as we were singing that song. I feel like God may give me the picture of, of my kids. Like when I come home, especially after a longer trip where I've been away, like just screaming out, Daddy! You know, and just running and grabbing uh, me. And like Julia and both of them will just kind of grab and squeeze and I love that, Juliet and Jackson. And I love being your dad. And you know what? God loves being our father. And like that's the gospel, this ground of the gospel, this advent is God coming to us. Like he's not waiting for us to reach him and like giving us a bunch, like we've talked about a bunch of rules and regulations and religion to like make it to you so that he can hug you if you do all the right things. He's like come to us and he's come home he's made his home with us and that's what we celebrate daddy right that god is our father he's a good good father and to all the poor and powerless he's made a way and he's there and he's with us um so that's what came to my mind joanna and i i I don't know how many of you have shared the full story. It won't be the full story. Many of you have heard this probably. But when we were thinking about moving into this, into our neighborhood that we love and we're a part of, uh, several years ago, I was a youth pastor and associate pastor at Foothills on the Northeast Heights for about 10 years. And about halfway or three quarters of the way into that time, I began really seeing God's heart in Scripture for uh, those that People that are typically forgotten, right? What we would call the vulnerable or the least and the last and the lost and the left out and left behind. Um, They are none of those things, but they are often treated that way by uh, the larger society. And I began to see that God's heart like beats for people on the margins and people who are forgotten. And I began to see that in Scripture over and over, God champions their cause. And He's like with them. And He loves them and He calls His people to be with them and to love them and to be with them. It's not an us and them, but it's to be us together and to live this human struggle together with one another. And so I began to feel really strongly led to move even to this neighborhood and to experience and to live with people, to move in uh, to this neighborhood. And uh, Joanna was not ready for that. She didn't even want to marry a pastor. So I tricked her on that side. And then she's like ready for that. And uh, then 
I have this like kind of crisis of of faith and just this uh, this like realization that wait a minute. See what I was seeing is like a disconnect between the church I had kind of experienced and and had believed and grown up in a disconnect between that and God's heart for uh, the poor and and for people struggling. And I just saw the trajectories kind of going in opposite ways and that created this tension in me. And I did not do a good job of sharing that with Joanna. Like if you want to know how not to bring your partner along in a major uh, life change, uh, you can learn from me. Like come, I'm like really good at it. I learned a lot from how not to do it. And I think... I've kind of learned maybe what it might look like, at least what not to do. So, but finally, after a lot of, I actually had to go and apologize to Joanna one day, be like, I've been forcing this on you, and I am going to trust the Holy Spirit in your life. Please forgive me for trying to force this on you. And uh, so I said, I'm not going to bring it up. I just need you to pray about it. And she prayed, and, and uh, several, maybe a couple months later, uh, she stood up in church when the worship leader called us to stand up if God had been moving in our hearts in any way, like to make a decision of any kind. And I stood up, and Joanna stood up, and I'm like, why is she standing up? Like, what is it from why? I think it is. And I was like, after service, like, so, like, like I noticed you stood up. Like, why did you stand up? She's like, all I could think about was the international district. All I could think about was this neighborhood. And like immediately, like that afternoon, we started looking for houses and we started making steps to move into uh, the neighborhood. We didn't know we wanted to necessarily start um, a church. We didn't know what that meant. We just know that God was calling us to be with and in and for the people of this neighborhood. And so we made that move. And what compels us, to, what compelled us then and what compels us now is really Advent. It's the season of Advent. It is this coming of God to us. Advent literally means, ad is to, means to, and vent means to come, basically, in Latin, kind of. Advent, to come to. It's God's coming to us. And I love John. Uh, we've read, we read this passage almost all the time, but it's like a foundational, where's my clicker? Is it back there? doesn't matter. It's all right. I don't need a clicker. John 1, there it is. John 1 is a foundational passage for us, and it's a foundational passage for Advent. And we're going to skip around a little bit, but in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. And who is this Word? The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and by him nothing that has been made. Um, oh, sorry, I went off on a different translation I memorized. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. I want you to hold on to that. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness cannot overcome the light. In Jesus is life, and he is the light, and the darkness cannot overcome it. And skipping ahead to verse 14, and the word, this word became flesh 
and dwelt among us. The translation, Eugene Peterson translates this, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. He moved into the neighborhood, he moved into our neighborhood. He dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And no one, it says, has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Other translations make that a little more clear. No one has seen God, but Jesus, this Word made flesh, is what makes Him known. The word for know there is is the word we get to make the word exegesis. To exegete something is to draw it out, to explain it, to make it clear. So, God is an unknowable, unapproachable God, the Alpha and the Omega, right? The beginning and the end, the one who spoke the world into existence, the one who sustains the world and in whom all things hold together, the planets and the rotation of the orbits and all of this stuff that my mind doesn't understand, he holds together. This God took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Like he moved to be with us. He moved to experience us. And we've talked about this, the ground of the gospel, that Jesus is God with us. What does this mean? It means he gets us, right? He understands us. Kids, he understands what it feels like to be frustrated with your parents or to not want to do something that your parents asked you to do. Now, Jesus probably did it, right? Not probably, he did. But he understands what it feels like to be frustrated. He understands what it feels like to experience pain and loss, right? He understands what it feels like to lose someone. And I know you guys know what that's like. Jesus feels that. He doesn't just, he's not just there sitting beside you, but he actually knows like experientially what you're feeling and he hurts with you. He hurts with you. It's like what we talked about uh, when um, Aline died, we talked about the fact that Jesus calls us. He sits with us on the morning bench. And that's what we're to be for us together. He sits with us in our pain and our grief. That's what it means for God to be the God who is with us. He moves into the neighborhood. He experiences our weakness. He experiences our vulnerability. He experiences the risk and the danger that we all experience. So when we move into this neighborhood, maybe, maybe we... Some people think, well, that's stupid because you're putting yourself at risk. When I say, like, Jesus put himself at risk, right? And he took on the vulnerability. So Advent is about remembering this beautiful truth that God is with us in our pain. He's with you in your pain. He's with you in your confusion. He's with you in your doubt. He's with you in your marriage struggles. He's with you in all of these situations, in your struggle to parent, in your struggle to be married, in, your, in all of our struggles, in your struggle to survive, right? God is with you in Jesus, and he's made known to you through Jesus. So this is a super comforting truth. It should bring us comfort. It's what people, we all need to hear. It's what, you know, I've told the story of, of Teresa, um, that's who we met on one of our open table meals. She lives out here, and she has, not, she has 12 grandkids, 
and she hasn't seen them for over a year. And I ask her, well, what's keeping you from your grandkids? And she says, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm addicted to meth. I said, well, has there been a time? And she said, I don't want my kids, my grandkids to see that. I don't want them to be influenced by me. I, so I keep myself away. I keep myself away. And you can just hear the ache and the pain in her heart. And I said, has there been a time where you've been able to be sober? You know? And she said, yeah. There's been several times, and the last time was three years. I said, well, how long has it been since you relapsed? And she said, it's been about a year. And then she just kind of looked off in the distance, and she started saying, you know what? It was when my dad died. I was in the house. I was with him. I was taking care of him, and he died the slow, painful death from emphysema. And when he died, I just lost it. I didn't know what to do. We were so close, and I didn't know what to do without him. And I just turned to this drug to numb this pain, and I've been hooked on it and out here for the last year since. And she said, like, she said, what, you know what? What's what month is it? I said it's October. She said, you know what? It's been a year to this month that my da- my dad died. And then she was quiet a little bit more, and she said, you know what? I haven't shared that story with anyone, and it feels so good to share that. It feels so good to just share that with somebody. And she said, I think God. Wants me, wanted me to be here. And I told her, Teresa, I know God wanted you to be here. Because God is a God who is with us, right? God is a God in, who in Jesus comes to us. He's an adventing God. He's a coming to us God. And He's pursuing you. He's pursuing us. And He loves you. And He's with not only you, but He's with your 12 grandkids who you can't be with. And He's with them. We need to know that God is a God who is with us and for us and who understands us. We're desperate to know that. But that's the comfort, all right? And I want us to be comforted by that, that God is with you. I also want to challenge us because the incarnation is not just a truth in which we believe but it is a way of life by which we live. All right? It's not only what we believe, it is how we are to live. This incarnation, this idea, this advent that God left everything and came to dwell with us in our, in our pain and in our vulnerability to dwell with us and to move into the neighborhood is not only something to believe in and take comfort in, it's a, it's a way of life we are to live into. It's it's, it's comforting and it's prescriptive. It's, it's, our, it's our, the design that God has for mission. He calls us to follow Him into the neighborhoods of this world. He calls us to move into the spaces and the places of where there's darkness and pain and hurt. And you don't have to go far at all to find those. They're right in your own home. right? We are called to live in light of the Incarnation. Not only as our foundation and our, a core belief, but as our core mission. The God who is with us sends us. And that's why we're here. So, one of the primary ways that God is present in the world, we say that God is with us, one of the primary ways that He's present in the world 
is through his people. That's how he's chosen to set it up. He is present through a spirit-filled and spirit-empowered people that he sends out. Let me show you what I mean here. John 20, 19 through 23. This is an awesome passage that I have, I've brought up before. I want to revisit and, and look at it a little bit more. This is right after Jesus has been crucified, actually about three days after he's been crucified. And the disciples, we find them huddled up, terrified and scared, locking themselves in a room, afraid of the Jews who had killed their supposed Messiah. Now they've lost hope because they've followed this guy, Jesus, who's, who's saying all these wonderful things and performing all these wonderful miracles and moving through the world with power and authority. They followed him. And they, these people, the disciples, are a part of Israel who are under the oppressive rule and terror of the Roman Empire. Life was not good under Rome. It was good for the top 1%, bad for the rest, especially for the occupied people. And so they are starving people. They are a dying people. Infant mortality rates are super high. They are not allowed to move freely about. And so they are an oppressed people and they are waiting for the promises of God to come true that have been spoken by Moses and the prophets and all the way back into Genesis and they've been waiting for the one and he's the Messiah, the Christ, the King that'll come and they're like, Jesus, this guy's it. Jesus is it. And then he gets crucified. Like pegged to a cross, the tool of Roman execution and humiliation. The cross was a lot like the noose in the antebellum south and post-Civil War south. It's a tool of oppression and to instill fear in anyone who would challenge the power. And so to be crucified is to be like hung and to be humiliated. They were stripped naked and Jesus was mocked, given a crown of thorns, right, and hung to a cross. And he, that's humiliating. This is your Savior, the one who's pinned to a Roman cross, who's in control. And what they were trying to say is Caesar is in control. And so the, these disciples are huddled up in this room. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, that's why we come and worship on Sundays. You don't have to, but that's why. The day of the resurrection. The first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them. Notice that. Jesus came to them, stood among them in their midst. And he said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So notice this. These disciples are huddled in a terrified circle, just kind of waiting, windows drawn down, doors shut and locked, afraid of the external threats that are coming in upon them. They're afraid they're going to meet the same end as their their 
the, Jesus, and Jesus comes to them in their midst. He is God with us. He steps in, and what does he say? Peace. Peace be with you. He meets their fear with peace. And he says, I am with you. But listen, listen, church. I'm not just with you in this room. Like, this isn't our, this isn't our thing. Like, we're not going to hang out in a room together, lock the doors, and wait for me to come back, right? We're not going to huddle in fear. Listen, I'm sending you out as I have been sent. I am sending you as I have been sent. You are to walk through these doors, out into the world, out into the neighborhoods. You're going to follow me into the world and be on mission as I was on mission. And you know what? I'm going to give you the same Spirit, the very Spirit of God that ascended upon me at my baptism, right? Jesus is baptized. The Spirit descends upon Him, and He can move through the world with power and authority and grace. And He says, I'm going to give you that Spirit. He breathes on them. He fills them with the Spirit, and He sends them out. See, that's us. That's us, church. We are a sent people. And I know that for, I was, I've spent a lot of my life in the fearful category, like huddled up with my doors locked. And I've been a part, um, and I, I see in my Facebook feed and my social media uh, a lot of fear in the church. I see a lot of fear in us. Like we're afraid, and we just, we just got to, we're afraid of the Republicans, and we're afraid of the Democrats, and we're afraid of the terrorists, and we're afraid of active shooters, and we're afraid of all, all these forces. And this is, this is legit stuff, right? It's legit stuff to be afraid, but it's not to paralyze us, right? Because we've been given the power and authority of the Spirit when we've been sent by Jesus, and the God who is with us sends us. And so we're not to be paralyzed by fear, we are to go out into the world on mission as Jesus was on mission. To move into the same spaces and places that he calls us to. So when, when Joanna and I first moved into uh, the neighborhood, uh, this is an anomaly, and I don't know why it happened, but the first three weeks, like bad stuff happened. Like a person was stabbed and two people were shot and I'm like, what did I do? Like I brought my family into this place. Is it? And I told Joanna, I said, Joanna, is, did, we, did I make a mistake? Like what? This is crazy. And she said, Jesse, no, this is where we're supposed to be. This is where God has sent us. This is where we're supposed to be. And she said, I'm not scared. I was like, oh, well, neither am I. Man. Like, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. No, but... But we're, we're able, in, luckily, at any one time, like we're not both scared at the same time. But it's been a wonderful, beautiful experience, and I'm so glad that we did not let fear and comfort and security determine our choices because we would have missed out on some of the privilege of being with the people in our, in our neighbor, our neighbors, with... You know, I've told you some of these stories, but just to be with um, our great friend Robert, who's often among us, and just to benefit from his life, and to see his joy, and to see his struggles, and to see, and to be able to be with him when um, his nephew was 
was shot and killed and to, he was sat at our table and he just poured out his heart and he cried and he shared his loss and he stopped and he said, Jesse, I walked from here, from work straight to here because I didn't have anyone else to talk to. And he said, thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. That's all I need. That's like, if that's all that happens, I'm like, I'm happy. I think that's beautiful, just to be able to be present. See, we get to be the presence of God, a tangible expression of the presence of God, wherever we go, wherever we go. God is known through Jesus, and Jesus is known through his people. And that's our privilege. And we just said, we're going to shout it from the mountains. Um, and we're going to say that He is God. And we say that through our presence just as much as through our words. So let me end with this. I've, we are sent to be tangible, everyday expressions of God's advent. I have talked about this guy before. One of my favorite guys. This is the flower man. And uh, this is a beautiful wordless picture book that I can't find in our house. But I got some pictures Stole some off the internet. This is the flower man, and, and he is, as you'll see, he's the only one in, in color. And this book begins with him and the, the neighborhood just uh, being dark. And there's about 140 different windows throughout the book that you can look in, and different state happenings are happening in these neighbor in these windows, right? There's some people arguing. There's some people that are alone. There's some people just watching TV. There's some people that, you know, are at various stages and places in their life. Um, and it's just, it's black and white. This man is a man of, of, of color, of brilliance. And he occupies this home here. And when he occupies this home, it becomes a place of peace and flourishing and of light. And then you'll notice that he shares a, one of his flowers with this little girl and she brightens up and her, and her life becomes one of, of color. And then as the book goes on, she shares the flower and she shares the light with others and they share it. And after, at the end, the neighborhood is a place of peace and flourishing and color and brilliance. And so I submit that the flower man is a lot like Jesus who comes to us and dwells with us full of the Holy Spirit, God with us and he brings light and life to a world that is dark and broken and hurting. But he doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just move in the neighborhood. He sends us. He gives us his spirit. He gives us his mission and he says, go, I'm sending you out. Don't be afraid. Go. And I love that it's a little girl, you know? Like, what's more, you know, what can be, um, that's, a, that's pretty vulnerable, a child. But he sends her out, and she shares that life and that love, and it becomes a place of peace and flourishing. And so I believe that's what we're called to. We're called to move into the spaces and places of our, of our world, of our neighborhoods, of our families, and we are called to be with people, to be with them, filled with the Holy Spirit, and to share with them the hope that we have, the hope of God with us. So I have a couple questions for you. The first is, do you believe?
that Jesus is God with you? Do you believe that he's with you, that he loves you, that he knows you, that he gets you, that he's for you? Do you believe it? I just That's a daily prayer of mine. Look, Lord, help me to know how much you are with me and you get me. So if you believe that, the next question is, where is he sending you to be a tangible expression of God's advent in the world? Where is he sending you? It could be across the street, all right? It could be across the house, someone you need to reconcile with, your wife, child. It could be across town. It could be an international district. A lot of us have chosen that. But where is he calling us? Where is he calling you to be God's advent? It could be across the the gym floor. It could be across the school cafeteria. It could be anywhere. We are called every day on mission. Life, a mission is not addition to our life. It is our life. We are people on mission. So wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, you are sent one, empowered by the Spirit of God to move into the neighborhoods and to the spaces and places of the people around you. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you that you are good and that you're with us, that you're a father, that you come to us, um, God, and that you have come to bring about new creation, flourishing in peace. Thank you that you invite us into that, Lord. We love you We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We, um, we'll do the song after. Let's eat together, and we'll do the song afterwards. Um, so if you're visiting today, we're so glad you're here, and the rhythm that we have is we eat together as part of our service, so um, I hope you're hungry. So please, if you're visiting, go ahead and grab some food. Uh, the rest of us, let's transform this place real quick and get in line and we'll eat and then we'll share in the Lord's Supper. I do want to say this is preparation for the Lord's Supper. So if you have a grudge against anyone, make it right. Amen. <laughs>